In a world where people are famous for doing nothing, we're here to discover the ordinary individuals who take giant leaps to do something extraordinary. Welcome to Moving Forward. Hello, everyone. This is John Lim with Moving Forward, and today my guest is Miss Alicia Jessup. Alicia is an attorney and contributor for CNBC and has combined a fantastic career in law and her first passion, sports. Alicia has contributed to hundreds of publications and been featured in numerous television and news programs, including The Huffington Post, Forbes.com, ESPN, and many, many more. Alicia is also a law professor at the University of Miami, where she teaches sports law and sports governance. She is the founder of the popular website RulingSports.com, which we have posted on our website, where she provides in-depth analysis of legal issues impacting the world of sports. Welcome, welcome, Alicia. How are you today? I'm good. Thanks. John, how are you? I'm doing great. It's so great to have you on the show. I know our listeners are going to be very excited to hear your story. So let's go ahead and dive in. And you have a really, really interesting background. And I was wondering if we could just start there, because I only really just scratched the surface. You have had so many different experiences. You've forged such an interesting career path. So I was wondering if you could start off by filling in a little bit more about your life resume, your professional resume, and tell our listeners a a little more about yourself. Sure. So I, I'm a Gemini, and I think a common characteristic <laughs> of Geminis is we want to get our feet wet in everything. We're never fully content. We're always on to the next thing. And so I graduated law school in 2009, right after the economic recession. And when I was in law school, I had some pretty decent entertainment law-related internships. I remember I was working at the Screen Actors Guild the day that the market tanked. And the Screen Actors Guild, for those of you in Los Angeles, is right off of Wilshire Boulevard and La Brea, so right in the heat and heart of Hollywood. And I remember coming in from lunch that day and just knowing that the plan that I had for my life was going to change. At the time, my plan was to work in entertainment law and to stay in L.A. and live in L.A. the rest of my life. But as luck would have it, or destiny perhaps, that didn't happen. So The market crashes, and with it goes really the entertainment industry along with other industries for a period of time. And here I was, a newly minted attorney. I passed the California bar exam, and there were no jobs in what I was passionate in. Unfortunately, though, I had a heavy load of student loan debt, and I had to start working so I could begin paying that off. So I was lucky in the sense that I found a nice corporate job in a beautiful law firm in Orange County, California. I worked with nice people. I made friends there. I got good experience, but I was miserable. Mm. I was miserable (laughs) because (laughs) I, yeah, it it, it sounds pretty stupid saying that. No, not at all, Alicia. I think what you are saying is such a common thread for so many people who have entered the legal profession. So I'm really, really interested to hear your perspective on that. Yeah, I mean, I I just felt unfulfilled. So we practiced corporate law. We represented a lot of big banks So business for us was really good around 2009. We were handling a lot of their contractual matters. But every morning I would wake up and I had a fight with myself to get out of bed to go to work. And I kept telling myself, Alicia, this isn't what you moved away from home to do. This isn't what you left all your friends behind to do. You didn't go to school for 20 years to not do something you're passionate about. And so You know, I I practiced law and I was miserable for longer than I should have been. But 
in the summer of 2011, something started changing in my life, and I began reading a lot more. Um, I read a book by Tony Dungy, which really kind of put things in perspective for me and got or lit, I guess you could say, lit a fire under my feet. And I started spending more time on the beach. I started meditating. I started praying a lot more. I'm a Christian, so that's important to me. And I realized I needed to pursue my passion. And my passions had always been sports and writing. And if there wasn't going to be an existing job out there for me to do it, I had to bet on myself and create the opportunity. And so that led to the creation of Ruling Sports on July 1st, 2011. And it's been a crazy fun ride ever since. That's a fantastic site. I, I had a chance to look at it and I think it is really, really cool. It's very informative. And you know, we, we're posting that on our website so we can share that with all of our listeners. But Alicia, that is such a great story. A couple of takeaways that I think are really critical. Number one, you came out of law school at possibly the worst time to come out of law school and you pivoted, you did what you had to do to land on your feet, but you didn't let that rule your career. You didn't let that be sort of the the final statement on your career. So you did what you had to do to get by. You, you went to a corporate job, but you realized you weren't happy. And so I think that's really critical. It's so important for so many people to kind of understand that what you're doing now or what you're doing today may not be where you want to be, but you can take those steps to change and find your passion in life. So I think that's really inspirational, and I, I thank you for sharing that. But Alicia, you, you've talked about your passion, and I can tell from your voice, I can tell from the way you talked about launching rulingsports.com how passionate you are about sports. And also, it sounds like you are very passionate about pursuing the legal career. So I want to unpack that a little bit more and talk about your passion in life. And so if you had to kind of distill it down, what would you say is your core passion that has driven your career? And how did you discover this passion in your life? Yeah, it's interesting. I always wanted to help other people. And so it might sound a little crazy, but my passion really isn't myself. My passion is other people. And I think what attracted me to entertainment and sports is I saw two industries that their primary goal is to make people happy. And that's what I wanted to be involved in. I wanted to help build the careers of these people who have the ability to impact millions because of the talent that they've been given and help them do so in a positive way. And I think it's my parents that got me there. My dad's story is a little bit interesting. He grew up as a homeless teenager. And so he, I'm a first-generation college student. And so my parents always instilled in me, A, the value of hard work, but B, hard work isn't enough if you aren't helping those around you. And so it's been interesting to see how my path has unfolded and how the opportunities to help and serve people have come into my life because of that decision I made in 2011 to start ruling sports. The opportunities are really limitless. I'm deeply involved with an organization in Haiti these days. I'm very lucky that athletes reach out to me when they have a story they want to share about something positive they're doing in their community. And so it's been an important niche in my life, and I've been able to bring it into my career as well. 
That's awesome, Alicia. Thank you so much for sharing that. It sounds like the inspiration that you've gotten from your parents, especially your dad's story, it sounds like he has such an interesting uh, journey of his own, but that has just led you and inspired you. And I think that's an awesome, awesome life philosophy that you are ruled by the way you can impact other people. And it makes perfect sense. You know, sports, entertainment, that's one of the biggest channels through which people are reached and touched. In fact, uh, the podcast that we just released recently, you know, we've talked to a number of actors in Hollywood who are starting to see that success. But what drives them is their ability to speak to people through their art. And it sounds like you have a very similar passion and a similar drive with your interest and passion in sports. So I think that's really cool. How did you really tie that together with your legal career? Yeah, so my, my legal career, I think, was the springboard for all of this. Unfortunately, I don't rely too heavily on my legal education and my writing anymore. It's, it's still very critical in my work as a professor, but these days my writing has become a bit more mainstream through the publications that I'm working with. But I, I think where my legal background came in is if you want to enter the marketplace of writing, you have to realize, especially in the world of sports, there's so many other people who are already in that marketplace. And so where the legal aspect came in for me is when I started ruling sports, I was covering sports in a way that 99% of other sports writers weren't. And I also got a leg up because the day that I started my blog was the day that the NBA decided to lock out its players. And That's so, right. it was, yeah, it was... <laughs> Right time, right place, and I was the expert. And so I, I think that's a critical thing to take away is what expertise, what knowledge, what background do you have that sets you apart from everyone else in the marketplace that you're in? And for me, I was a young woman. I was 27 when I started the website. And I had this legal background that I could fall back on. Well, that's awesome. I love that knowledge burst that you just shared with our listeners, that you have an expertise and you are able to take that expertise and tie it into something that you're passionate about and just kind of find a really, really important niche that wasn't being fulfilled, that there was a need for this analysis out there and that there wasn't anyone else who was doing it. So I think that's a really, really cool way to not only find your passion, but also to sort of put your own personal distinctive spin on it. So that's really cool. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, I, I think um, an another book that I read before I started ruling sports was Malcolm Gladwell's Outliers. And mm -hmm. there was a chapter in that book that it's really proven true to me. So I can't remember which law firm it was, but he writes a chapter in the book that this law firm began around the time of the Great Depression. It's one of the most successful law firms in the world today. And the reason why it's so successful is it found holes in the marketplace and instead of doing what everybody else was doing, it sought to fill those holes. And I, I looked at that when I was reading the book and I said, that's a really interesting perspective. If you can find the holes in the marketplace and if you can figure out what you bring to the table that can fill those holes, your path to quote unquote success, I, I don't really like that word, but your path to where you're trying to go will probably be a lot quicker and a lot smoother. 
I think that's an important, important takeaway is the idea of instead of trying to fit a square peg into a round hole, see what needs there are and see what skill sets you have that can fill those needs. And it's just almost by inertia that you're able to kind of lead yourself to a path that'll get you to a place where you're really living your passion day in and day out. I think that's critical. Alicia, um, so we're going to dig a little deeper and we're going to talk about some really pivotal moments. And uh, one of the questions that we like to ask our guests to just really just kind of share their story and their extraordinary journey is failures. And can you share a time when you failed where you face what seemed like a huge, insurmountable challenge, that mountain that you just looked like you couldn't climb it, but it ended up being a valuable learning experience or part of the road to lead you where you are today? Yeah, I mean, I I think just the experience of not getting my dream job straight out of law school, it, it really messed with me because the thing is, is I'm a type A human being. You know, I, I follow the rules. I can look at what other people are doing. I can mimic them and t- I can get to where I want to go. And after law school was really the first time in my life that I felt like a failure because for once, the strategy and the plan that I had carried out didn't work because I wasn't doing what I wanted to do. And not only was I not doing what I wanted to do, I was miserable. I, I, I was, I'm a very happy person. And it was the first time in my life that I was completely unhappy and broken. And so I I felt like a failure. The, The thing that I realized about that though, is I was the only person in the world that thought Alicia Jessup was a failure. None of my friends thought I was a failure. My parents didn't think I was a failure. The world didn't think I was a failure. And so I I think that's an important thing for people to realize is that failure is really internal. And you you can't look at your circumstances as a failure. And we've all heard the anecdotes of, oh, well, I failed 100 times before I became successful. I started 10 businesses before one took off. But it's really hard for me to point out a failure in my life. And that's not because I'm not humble. It's because I look at every day of my life as more of a learning lesson. And I'm not so hard on myself. I give myself a lot of flexibility and room to grow and to experience all the feelings, emotions, personal triumphs and battles that I'm going through. I love that. I love the way that you have just shifted your perspective and that you don't look at particular moments as failures or successes. You all look at it as one sort of weave or one road as part of your journey. So I I think that's really critical. I also think that that probably adds to the resiliency that you you obviously have having faced uh, the challenges of graduating law school at a very difficult time and not landing the job that you had planned for. And uh, I think that's really, really important. So I, I really appreciate you sharing that. I think that's a really big takeaway. Yeah. One thing that I want to jump in and say, though, is I don't look at failure versus success. My buzzword is happiness. And Mm. so every day I wake up, um, unfortunately these days I have a long laundry list of things I need to do because (laughs) I did that myself. And I ask myself, I say, okay, Alicia, are you happy? And if I'm not happy, I go through that list and it could be relationships, it could be friendships, it could be social engagements, it could be work. And I say, what on this list isn't making you happy? And if I go through a week and that same thing is still on my list and it's still not making me happy, it's time to move on. 
or it's time to add something that's going to bring more happiness. So I, I don't look at life anymore about success and failures. I look at it in the terms of, is what I'm doing making me happy? I think that is such an important question. And I think for so many in the legal profession or in the corporate world, it's a question that people often forget to ask themselves. And they, you're absolutely right. I think people get into the trappings of, well, have I been successful this week? Have I failed this week? Instead of asking a more fundamental, important question, am I happy? And I think that is a great reminder that it is a question that we need to ask ourselves. I think when we're kids, it's a, it's a very intuitive uh, thing to do. But I think as we get further along in our careers, it becomes something that we almost have to relearn. So I think that is a really, really important takeaway that you just shared with our listeners. Yeah, I, I, I was sitting with an attorney who I, I really, really value. He's been practicing for 30 or 40 years he works for one of the four major sports leagues, players associations, and we were having dinner in South Beach in March, and th this man has done it all, okay? So he's worked on the nonprofit side of things. He's tried cases at the highest level. He has owned his own law firm, and now he is working as the head general counsel for a players association. And he looked over at me, and he said, how old are you, Alicia? And I said, I'm 30. And he said, I really envy you. And I said, why is that? You know, I'm thinking, what? You envy me? I envy you. And he said, because you have found a way to build a career that allows you to be happy. He goes, you didn't fall into the rat race. You didn't play the game the way that everybody else did. You played by your own rules and you're happy. And he goes, there's not a lot of people in the legal profession that can say that they're happy. And I, I think that's sad because with the education that you go through to get your law degree, you are one of the brightest minds in the world. And if you can't figure out how to make yourself happy, why did you go through that process? I don't think I could have said that better myself. I mean, having been in the legal profession and having gone through a lot of the similar experiences that you just described, I think that's so critical. And there's so much sacrifice that you go through to enter that profession. and to let go or to sacrifice what I think is probably one of the most important aspects of living is, is your happiness. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think there has to come a time where people are able to really take what they've sacrificed and what they've invested into their careers and also find a way that they can be fulfilled and happy. And I think it is possible. It's Maybe it's a little more challenging. Maybe the legal profession, it's not always obvious, but you've clearly done it. And uh, I, I think it's an example and inspiration for anyone in the profession who may not be satisfied with their career and is looking to ask that same question. Well, Alicia, this is perfect because this leads into our next question about life influences. And this is a two-part question. So first of all, uh, I would like to know, is there a movie, book, song, play, or it might have been a Super Bowl, or it might have been an NBA championship game that has been greatly influential in your life? Yeah, there, there's two of them. Um, my favorite band in the entire world is U2, and I've had a chance to see them play twice. I saw them in Denver in April of 2005. I saw them in Los Angeles in June of 2011. I'm going to see them again in June of this year. But every time I go to one of those concerts, my creativity is birthed. Mm -hmm. I, I went to the U2 concert in L.A. 
about a week before I launched Ruling Sports. And it was one of their big stadium tours. So they had that crazy stage that kind of looked like a spider. It was nuts. (laughs) But I just, I was there. My seats weren't even good. I was with a guy that I didn't really like. But (laughs) my, yeah, yeah, hopefully he's not listening. (laughs) Actually, you know, you should probably interview with my co-host. She does the relationship side of the podcast. I I can provide a lot of insight for that one, but... Yeah. Hey, if you're listening, just kidding. Um, but I, everything just changed because I was watching these people who were so talented and so easy and they were having fun and they had done so much to help the world. And you, you have those moments in life where you feel like you're invincible and we all know that we're not invincible. But every time I've gone to a YouTube concert, I've walked out of there and thought that I could do anything. So I'm really excited to go again this summer. Lord knows what's going to come of it. But <laughs> it's just, it, they just really get my creative juices going. So th- those are two very poignant moments in the world of arts in my life. That's awesome. And, and hopefully you'll have better seats and better company this third time around. So yeah, my dad. So oh, that's great. That's great. No matter where you're sitting, I know you'll have a great time. So well, Alicia, second part to the question. Is there a particular person you've named several individuals who sound like who've been greatly influential in your life? But is there uh, anyone you want to expand on maybe your dad, or uh, anyone that you've connected with that has left a lasting impression on you finding your career path and your life's passion? Yeah, there's a couple of people. Um, One of my first bosses in the legal world is a guy by the name of George Zirk. I was a prosecutor in Colorado, in Aurora, Colorado, for um, a little while. And he was my boss there. He's also one of my best friend's dads. And he just taught me so much, A, about ethics, and B, about how you treat people. Because we who have practiced law know how contentious the world can get. And just how dirty and rude people can get. And so I think it was so great for me early in my legal career to learn from someone who was very successful, (laughs) even though I don't like that word, someone who had done a lot in his career, but he always did things the right way. So it was nice to see that come to fruition and realize that I didn't have to take any shortcuts, that I didn't have to step on people, that I didn't have to let go of my ethics and I could still get to where I wanted to go. So George was a huge influence in my life. Um, Another one is a guy by the name of Rafer Johnson. So Rafer won the gold in the 1960 Olympic Games. Um, After that, he went on to a little bit of a career in Hollywood. He befriended the Kennedy family, and he's actually one of two men who wrestled the gun away from RFK's assassin Mm. um, on the night that he was shot. So Rafer has lived an extraordinary life, and he he also is African-American. He grew up in a segregated Texas and moved to California. And Rafer was the first athlete that I interviewed. And some days I think about that, like, man, the first person out of the gate was someone who was just so extraordinary. He had done so much athletically. If you, if you can win the decathlon, you know, Bruce Jenner won it too, you are the greatest athlete in the world. And then to go on and have all these friends and do all these important things, but you are still humble enough that you sit down with little old me with this blog that you have never heard of, um, that spoke very loudly to me. And just the kindness that he showed me and the direction that he gave me, he will be someone who will always have a very, very, very 
deep-rooted spot in my heart. That's awesome, Alicia. I mean, your two life influences, I think, reflect three very, very big, important principles that you've kind of embodied. Number one, just being ethical. And I think that's something that in the legal profession, like you said, it's so contentious, especially certain areas of the law, but just being excellent to each other. One of my other guests, he's a uh, in-house attorney, and he said he, he lives by Bill and Ted's, just be excellent to each other. So I love that takeaway. But also, just your other life influence, just keeping that humility and just being very authentic and generous and paying it forward. I think those are just three just huge, huge principles that you have clearly embodied in your life and that guide you in your day to day. And I think that's really awesome. Thank you. Hey, Moving Forward listeners, if you're enjoying today's episode, consider supporting the podcast. You can purchase a copy of the Corporate Clichés Adult Coloring Book or try out Amazon Prime or Audible using one of my affiliate links, which you can find in the write-up for any of the episodes at bemovingforward.com. Alicia, what advice do you have for someone who may be listening to this? who is struggling to find their passion in life? Yeah, so as a college professor, I help a lot of young people with that question. I had a a great young man come into my office last week who I, I called him in because he wasn't living up to his full potential. And I said to him, I said, what's the problem? You know, what, what's the deal? You aren't doing what you're supposed to do, and I know that you're capable of so much more. And he skirted around the question for a while, and finally he looked at me and he said, you know what the problem is, Professor Jessup? And I said, no, that's why I have you here. <laughs> and he said, the problem is, I don't know what my purpose is in life. Mm. And I said, well, welcome to the club, my friend, because <laughs> I don't think many people have some great big aha moment in life where everything comes together and they know the reason why two cells came together some time ago and nine months later they arrived here on earth. And I I think that's the problem. I think a lot of people are just too hung up on what is my purpose. It's simple. Your, Your purpose is to be here on earth, to be present in the lives of others, and to be kind to each other and to love one another. It's It doesn't have to be harder than that. And so I think if someone's looking for their purpose, that's where it needs to begin. What am I here on earth to do? I'm here to be part of a human race, to serve these people, and to show love to the fellow members of my human race. Well, what can I do in my career that does that? And I I think if you pose the question that way and then answer it with what can I do that benefits the human race, I think you're going to get to your answer a lot quicker than if your question is being driven by what can I do to gain power? What can I do to become successful? What can I do to make money? What can I do to get the new car? You're not going to find the answer if you pose the question in those ways. I think that's excellent. I love that. And uh, what was the student's response, if I may ask, when you phrased it that way? So being a professor is kind of like being a parent to 200 kids. And, (laughs) you know, kids don't like when the answer is not easy. And so I I told him, I said, this summer, I want you to go out to the beach. I want you to get a notebook and I want you to write down what makes you happy. 
and you need to find a way to incorporate the things on that list into your life. And well, see, there was your first mistake. You, you said notebook. Do, do, do the right. kids I even know that, what a notebook is these days? I know. Well, I, I, I put work on him, which is also a controversial topic these <laughs> days as well. But he, he wasn't thrilled. <laughs> I think someday if he remembers what we talked about, he'll appreciate it. But he, he was not happy. Well, I, I am curious, though. So how does it feel? You were in school, you, you spent a long time developing your career, and, and now you're on the other side and you're teaching uh, students who are coming up. And, and what has that experience been like for you? It's crazy. Um, some of my students are older than me, which is definitely a little awkward because I it's weird to be teaching someone who's older than you. But it's, it's very humbling because when I look out into the classroom, I see myself. I see a lot of people with these huge goals that are probably unreasonable in terms of their expectations for those goals actually happening. And I've been to the place that they are more than likely going to go. And I've experienced that heartache. I've experienced the pain. I've experienced feeling like a failure. And so I I feel empowered in a sense that I have the opportunity to hopefully, if they listen to me, spare them from that pain. And it's just amazing that I get paid to pour into the lives of young people and that they listen to me. So it's, it's the greatest job on earth and I'm very lucky to have it. Well, that's awesome, Alicia. And it sounds like it really is sort of embodying a lot of your experiences that you've developed and a lot of the goals and a lot of the principles that you live by. So it sounds like you are making a difference. And I have no doubt, hopefully one day this young man, if he doesn't appreciate it now, he'll appreciate what you said to him maybe down the road. So I think that's excellent. Well, Alicia, what is next for you? Yeah, so last summer, so in July, like I said, a lot of athletes or their publicists reach out to me for stories. I, I get close to 100 emails a day. I delete most of them without reading them. But I, I got an email in July of last year, and it was inviting me to a party in New York that was being thrown by a Jets player. And I was kind of miffed by it because I live in Miami, and so it signaled to me that the publicist hadn't done his or her job. So I deleted it immediately and went on with my day. When I got in bed at night, I said, you know, you should pull out that email and see what the deal is. And in doing so, I realized that the Jets player was a guy by the name of David Nelson. Um, If you're a college football fan, he caught the jump pass from Tim Tebow to lead Florida to the national championship in 09. And he had started an orphanage in Haiti. And so crazy, right? You, you have an NFL player at the height of his career. He's young. He's living in New York, flashy lifestyle. And this guy has essentially laid down his social life to go take care of orphans in mm. Haiti. So it, it piqued my interest. I ended up interviewing him, doing a story. And at the time I interviewed him, he had taken in 10 children who were on the brink of death and starvation. And so they were looking for sponsors for the children. And at the end of our phone call, I said, send me the link. I'll sponsor one of the kids. And I thought, he probably thought, okay, cool, lady, whatever. You know, so he sends me the link. And I go through each day looking at the kids. And there was this one, his name's Prosper. He's eight years old. That just changed my entire life. Like the minute I looked at this kid, I said, okay, you're done for, Alicia. (laughs) Everything you had planned has just changed because this kid just stole your heart. Mm. And so now I'm 
in very deep with the organization. The organization is called I Am Me. We are working to end the orphan crisis in Haiti. There are 600,000 orphans in Haiti. So these days in my free time, I spend a lot of time advocating for orphans. I spend a lot of time fundraising for the organization. The coolest thing that we're doing right now, uh, David, Tim Tebow, and a couple of other people were fundraising to build a $3 million stadium facility in Haiti, which will be the first of its kind there. And if I can get this done, it will be the greatest accomplishment of my entire life because everything's been done to try to help Haiti. Haiti is the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere. Every initiative has been tried except sports. And I'm such a big believer in the power of sport to change the world that I want to put my money where my mouth is and I want to get this built and I want to watch Haiti's economy come alive because we did it. That's so awesome. And is there a website for the uh, organization? Yeah, so the organization is I'm Me, so I-M-M-E dot org. And then if anyone's interested, they can email me at aliciajessup at gmail.com. Oh, well, you just answered the next question, which was, you know, I have no doubt, Alicia, you have impacted and inspired a lot of listeners today and given them a lot to think about in their own lives and careers. So uh, my question, I think you've answered it. What is the best way that our listeners can connect with you? So would it be your your email address at gmail.com? Email email is good. Just give me a little time to respond because I get a lot, unfortunately, these days. But Twitter is also a good place to find me if you want a quicker response to something a little bit shorter. And my Twitter is at ruling sports. Okay. And we'll be posting all of that on our website as well. Alicia, thank you so much for taking time out of your, your busy schedule to join us today. It was an amazing story that you've shared with us. And I have no doubt that you have impacted and inspired a lot of people today and you're doing amazing work and it's just, it's just very inspiring. And I loved learning more about you today. Thank you so much. Thank you for the opportunity. Absolutely. This has been Moving Forward, and we will be back with another episode next week. Have a great week, everyone. Now it's time for you to move forward and discover the extraordinary in you. Moving Forward is produced by John Lim and BeMovingForward.com. All rights reserved.